Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Hey, this is hour two of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed the last hour, then um, you won't. 100% understand the condolences that I'm about to extend to the family of Sonny. But Sonny was this beautiful, beautiful dog whose picture has just been texted in um, on our text line. And 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 Sonny is no longer in the world as of yesterday morning. And so we did a segment at the end of the last hour on therapy dogs. And we, we talked... Um, we talked with uh, Larry Randolph um, about Finding Grace, which is a book about a therapy dog that really ignited what is now called Canines for Christ Therapy Dog Ministry. And lots of folks who were listening then texted in pictures of of their dogs and therapy dogs. And, um, and then I got this note about Sonny. And so I just, my heart goes out to you. Um, the human, the human family of Sonny and, yeah. Just taking a deep breath, remembering all my beloved pets over the course of time and how velvety their ears are. And, you, well, you know the drill. You know the drill. All right. A year ago today, that's what I want you to just think about here for just a second. A year ago today, I have no idea why I get these alerts from like Google or Facebook or some other app that periodically says, you know, on this day, um, this is these on this day alert. So, you know, a year ago today, they send you a picture of like what was happening a year ago today. And you're like, wow, that was only a year ago or that was already a year ago. That's kind of what goes through my mind. So um, these are some fill in the blank statements for you this morning. Last year at this time, I was. Mm-hmm. Then the unexpected happened. And after that and then and so today. So do you see how you could write a little narrative piece, maybe an essay about the one year that has transpired since a year ago today. So last year at this time, I was, that could be a statement about a position. It could be a statement about geography. It could be a statement about relationship. It could be a statement about preparation or transition. Last year at this time, I was, what? Then the unexpected happened. And after that, and then, and so today, so what's the storyline there? Where is God in all of that? What were you praying about a year ago? Who were you praying for a year ago? How has God met you in those times of prayer, and how has God answered those prayers? And in the year that is now past, what unexpected opportunity or blessing or challenge has come? How has God met your need over the course of the last year? How has God used you to meet the needs of others a year ago today? So take a minute today and just think about this. Last year at this time, I was what? 
And then what unexpected thing happened? And then what happened after that that led to today? Now let's forecast forward. Let's do the exercise in reverse. A year from today, I will what? Beware, doing what, with whom? Who are the people, the places, the prayers, the perspective, the possibilities, the projects? A year from today, I will what? And between here and there, what will happen? Will you sow peace? Will you spread joy? Will you show kindness? Will you cultivate the culture? Will you harvest righteousness? Or will you gather offenses and collect grievances and hold grudges and sow dissent and stir up trouble? Mm-hmm. A year from today, you're going to get an alert that says, a year ago today. <laughs> and so what you do today matters. It doesn't just matter for today. It matters for a year from today. And it matters for eternity. So here's what I know this morning. Time is limited. Time is valuable because it's limited. And the way we use our time intentionally for good actually does matter. So time is limited. This is a, I mean, a life is actually a limited time offer. We don't actually know how much time we have left on earth. You and I don't even know if we'll be here a year from today. My guess is, as you think about a year ago today, there are people who were in your life who are no longer among the living as we think of it. At some point, our time on this earth, on this side of existence, will end time as we know it. So don't put off till tomorrow the things that you know you're called to do today. James 4.14 reminds us, we don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life but a mist that appears for a little and then vanishes? In the, in the grand scheme of the scope of eternity, life as we know it is really, really short. Psalm 39 reminds us, Lord, let me know my end. Let me know the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting life is. You have made my days a few handbreadths, my lifetime, nothing in your sight. And, let my, and yet, my friend, even as we reflect on that, how precious and valuable you are to God. He conceived of you before the foundations of the earth. He knows you full well. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves you inside and out from here to eternity. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll take a little pause here, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about the value of time and how our time is intended by God to be used. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Time keeps on slipping into the future, right? That's not just uh, the phrase of a song. It's reality itself. So time is this very limited, like, right, limited lifetime offer. Uh, Time is this limited reality in which we live, and it's therefore valuable, right? Because our time on earth is limited, it's valuable. Psalm 90 verse 12 reminds us, uh, ask, asking God, teach us to count our days 
that we might gain a wise heart or a heart of wisdom is the other way that's phrased. So are you using today and the time that you have to gain a heart of wisdom? Um, time is short. It's valuable. Yeah, I think an awareness of time is in, incredibly um, valuable to gain. Like, right, that is gaining a heart of wisdom. God then calls us to use the time that we have intentionally um, to not just waste it away. Like, right, don't, don't waste the time that God has given you as the one thing you can't get any more of. Uh, and so what does it look like to allow God to use the time he has given us well? Colossians 4, 5 gives us some advice here. Conduct yourselves wisely. Make the most of the time. Be careful then, this is Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as those who are wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How are you using your time today intentionally? I mean, I count it a great honor and gift that you share this portion of your time with me. And I want us to invest this time well, um, that the kingdom might be advanced through us in the hours that lie ahead. So how are we listening to God for guidance on how he wants us to spend our time? How are we making the most of the time that God has given to us? And how are we accounting for our time before God? We, this literally is God-given time. Psalm 103 reminds us, as for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it's gone. Its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord, that is from everlasting to everlasting. His righteousness to your children's children, to those who keep his covenants and remember to do his commandments. God's everlasting love, God's hesed love um, goes on forever. You and I are invited to live life for all that it's worth, taking advantage of every moment that God gives us, every breath. There's just a lot of time, a lot of people who take their time on earth for granted. They don't use it to build up the kingdom of God or to advance God's kingdom purposes, but to build little kingdoms for themselves. And then what? And then what? Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. It all goes back in the box. So how are you going to use the time that God has given you? Who knows what tomorrow holds? Only the one who holds tomorrow. And so today, let's put our time back in God's hands. Let's live moment by moment to his glory, advancing his kingdom always and in all ways. Because time really does keep slipping into the future. So speaking of time, yesterday... We had um, a delightful conversation with uh, Sharon Janes. The book is called Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe. And I thought uh, it would be worth our, worth our time today to actually um, do day one from the devotional. So would you like to do that? Let's pray together for our children from head to toe. The mind, what my child thinks about. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Heavenly Father, I pray for my child that they will love you completely with heart, soul, and mind. I pray intellectual knowledge of you 
would lead to an emotional affection for you. For my child's eyes and what my child looks at. Looks at. From Psalm 119, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. I pray my child will turn their eyes away from worthless things. I pray they will divert their eyes away from anything or anyone who would cause them to stumble, trip, or fall in thought or action. Let's pray for our children's ears, for who and what they listen to. From Proverbs 4, my children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I'm giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. For I, too, was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. And so, Lord God, I pray my child will listen to their parents' instruction, paying attention to what we say and learning good judgment. I pray they will take our words to heart, follow our instruction, and experience a long and productive life. And then praying for the words that come from our children's mouths. From Ephesians 4.25, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Lord, I pray my child will always tell the truth. I pray they will not stretch the truth or tell a half-truth, distort the truth, misrepresent the truth, or embellish the truth. So help them, God. And then, and then the neck, the decisions that turn my child's head from side to side. Again, from Proverbs 4, my child, listen to me. And do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Oh, God, I pray my child will pay attention to godly instruction and learn good judgment, following wise counsel, so that they will have a long, good life. I pray my child will make wise decisions that lead to straight paths, so they will move forward and not backward run and not fall. Praying then for the burdens and worries upon our children's shoulders. From Genesis 18, is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh God, no matter what my child must go through today, help them not to worry, but believe that nothing is too hard for you. Prayers for our children's hearts, who and what they love. From Deuteronomy 6, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. God, I pray my child will love you with all their heart, soul, and might. May everything and everyone else be a distant second compared to loving you. Praying for our children's back, their physical and spiritual protection. From Deuteronomy 23, the Lord your God moves around in your camp to protect you and to defeat your enemies. Almighty God, I ask that... um, I ask that you move about in my child's camp, in their home, their school, everywhere in between. Protect and deliver them from anyone who would seek to do them harm, physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And then let's pray for the health and strength of our children's arms. Luke chapter 2. There the child grew up healthy and strong, filled with wisdom, and God's favor was upon him. Oh, Lord, I pray my child will grow up healthy and strong, filled with wisdom. I pray that your favor will rest upon them. Turning then to our children's hands, praying for their gifts and talents. Deuteronomy 33, bless all his skills, Lord, and be pleased with the work of his hands. Dear Lord, bless my child, my child's skills. Be pleased with the work of his hands. Thank you for giving my child gift and, gifts and talents. 
I pray that as they continue to grow and mature, they would recognize and exercise the gifts and talents that you have given them. That is a portion of Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe. It's day one of Sharon Jane's book, which is a 30-day guide to powerful and effective scripture-based prayers. If you want to hear that full interview, you can grab the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. We talked with Sharon Jane's yesterday um, in the second half of this particular hour. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit um, about what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good on this Tasty Tuesday. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at anytime, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. All right, um, lots of you asking, hey, what are you reading from? What is that? It's called Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe by Sharon Janes. Um, and we talked with her yesterday, if you want to grab the podcast. Um, but I'll also, those of you texting in, um, I'll, uh, I'll send you the direct link as well to, um, to the book. Again, Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe. I really, I, I can't recommend it more highly. It's, uh, it's lovely. Um, okay, so... It's Taste and See Tuesday, and so I will just go ahead and confess to you that um, I am already salivating over Thanksgiving. Like, I I love the Thanksgiving meal. I am a super big fan of Thanksgiving. I love all of the flavors and tastes, and so I'm trying to do some meal planning. Um, I'm trying to do some grocery shopping. I'm trying to figure out, like, where I can put things like together so that I know I have all of the ingredients for each of the various and sundry things in all of the places and then um, the you know uh, planning for how we're going to create space and time for like the making of pies. Pies are really important in uh, in our family's celebration of Thanksgiving, and so uh, I'd like to know like what what's in your meal planning. Um, there will be no green bean casserole at my house. We're not big green bean casserole people, but I know that immediately when I say that, you're thinking, well, she can't come to my house for Thanksgiving, and I don't want to go to her house for Thanksgiving. If you come, then you should bring the side item that you like the best. That's my, this is my thought and, and theory. If you are going to attend a Thanksgiving meal at someone else's house, you should absolutely 100%, like you don't even have to tell them in advance, really, just bring the side item that's most important to you. Um, because even if you say, okay, well, the thing that I love best is uh, is mashed potatoes and gravy, but they make it differently than you remember it's supposed to taste, then, you know, I don't know, that are you going to be happy? She should just, like, take the side item that's most important to you. I feel like you can count on turkey, but you should take the side item that's most important to you. This is my theory of showing up as a Thanksgiving guest. So, and if you say to yourself, well, I'm not in a position to make a sweet potato casserole, well, just be sure, because I got to tell you, there's like a thousand different ways to make a sweet potato casserole. Am I right? I mean, have you had a thousand different varieties? I, 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 I probably make it different every year. Um, and so there are, there are people who are like, well, no, it has to be exactly made like this, or it wouldn't be the right thing. Mm-hmm. You better make it yourself. 
You better get that recipe out right now and uh, and call Grandma or call Aunt Susan or whoever knows how to make it and figure that thing out. Because uh, TikTok uh, Thanksgiving is coming. You say, well, it's it's a whole week and two days away. Mm-hmm. Um, trust me when I tell you, it is not too early to be planning for grocery shopping and getting your recipes together for um, for Thanksgiving. What is like the taste that comes into your mouth when I say Thanksgiving? Mine is this stuffing. It's not stuffing. It's dressing. It's only stuffing if you actually put it in the bird. We don't put it in the bird. We put it in a pan. And so it's dressing. That, by the way, is the big difference between stuffing and dressing, for those of you out there wondering. So my mom's dressing, like I can already taste it. Like in, I'm, that's how good it is. And I don't know why we only have it once a year, but we only have it once a year. And so, um, so here you go off the top of my head. Um, because if you don't already have a dressing recipe that you love, um, then this is the one you should use. So the trick is to buy a package of that sage sausage. It's bulk sausage. It's available this time of year. I don't know why it's not available year round, but it's not. And so you you add that in and I add in a generous amount. So it's really the bread is in there to hold the sausage together with the mushrooms and the onion and the celery um, and the eggs. Uh, and then obviously the I don't know why they have to be Petridge Farm, but they do that bag of seasoned stuffing mix. And you mix that all together and then you soak it down with the turkey stock and you bake it and uh, it's unbelievably good. Um, and so I, I might have to uh, I might have to review that again before Thanksgiving with you. But there you go. That's the one I'm salivating over. What is the taste that when I say Thanksgiving, you're like, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the tasty one that uh, means something to me. Go ahead and text me 877-933-2484. Uh, I'd love to know that. Oh, yes, the question. Since you grow sweet potatoes, do you make sweet potato pie? Not sweet potato pie, but sweet potato um, in a in a casserole dish, uh, sliced, and then um, butter between each little. It takes a long time to make the sweet potatoes the way that I make them. I'm not really recommending it as the way to do it, but it is delicious. A little cinnamon, uh, a little brown sugar, um, pecans, marshmallows, the whole nine yards. Um, all right. Oh, salads. I thought dressing goes on salads. <laughs> Andrew, full of funniness today. Um, all right. Let's see. Um, Caroline, thanks for being free and true. To got Yes. Well, free and true. That's the only way to live. Okay. Stuffing. Stuffing gets all the juicy juices from the bird, which makes it the best. Yes, Walt, I agree with you. Um, but now that people sell turkey stock, which is is the juicy juices that are coming from your bird. Um, I, I can just tell you, you can make more stuffing if you make it as dressing because you can only make as much stuffing as fits in a bird. And let me just tell you, you want more stuffing than fits in the bird. And so then you need a pan of dressing. So there you go. Uh, Lisa says dressing is also my fave. All right, what is your, what's your recipe, Lisa? Because maybe you're like a cornbread stuffing girl and I need to know that. Um, all right, sweet sweet potato pie. Lots of sweet potato pie um, fans out there as well. It is Taste and See Tuesday, so let me um, let me just suggest this: whatever it is you're doing today, help people taste and see that the Lord is good. Wherever it is that you're breaking bread, and maybe you're saying, "Well, I'm just going to be sitting all by myself, um, having a meal 
um, or having a cup of coffee at a coffee shop. I'm going to be by myself. How can I help people taste and see that the Lord is good when I'm doing it by myself? Mm -hmm. You can bow your head and you can um, silently pray. Because trust me, people take note. You can you can offer half of whatever it is. Maybe there's two in the pack. Offer the other one to someone else and just say, you know what? Uh, there's two in here. I'm only going to eat one. Would you like this other? I don't know, whatever it is. What does it look like to share from what we have, to break what we have in half and give it to someone else? In the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened. Reread the walk to Emmaus today and see how it is that the eyes are opened and that people come to see Jesus in the breaking of the bread. How, how could people see Jesus today as we break bread? With them, in front of them, alongside them. How might God multiply your lunch to feed someone else? Let Christ be made known today in the breaking of the bread on this Taste and See Tuesday. Joining us next, um, Judy Chaw is going to be here. And we're going to talk about um, what it looks like not to just seek counsel. All of us need to seek counsel, right? But to seek the kind of counsel that helps us internalize the gospel, wherein we would find our true identity. So the book is Who You Are, Internalizing the Gospel to Find Your True Identity. And Judy Chaw is... um, is the director of the Redeemer Counseling Services in New York City. And we want to talk about counseling. We want to talk about the deep human desire to know who we are. Um, and, and we want to talk about redemption. God actually does have a rescue plan for you and everyone else. Are you ready um, to know what that is and what that looks like? Who are you? Let's talk next with uh, with Judy Chaw. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Judy Chaw is joining us. She is the author of Who You Are, Internalizing the Gospel to Find Your True Identity. Judy, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's good to be here. Let's um let's actually start um by talking about redeemer counseling um and basing counseling in the context of the local church and locating the counseling experience um you know in a Christian context. Sure. Uh redeemer counseling has been in existence for about 33 years and it is a ministry of a church Uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Churches in New York City. It began because uh, Redeemer Church had a vision of bringing on specialists to help care for their congregation. And uh, for years, uh, over two decades, we've been trying to really incorporate, make the counseling very much gospel-centered and yet glean from what psychology can offer so that we can provide holistic um, uh, care for those who are seeking counseling. Uh, it's a fairly large counseling center. It houses about 50 plus staff and we see about 
provide 23,000 sessions a year. Uh, and I would say that we are pretty unique in that it is a large professional counseling and training center that is housed within a church. So, Judy, um, who needs counseling? <laughs> oh, yeah, people ask that. You know, anyone who I think everybody can benefit mm -hmm. from counseling by, because it is a way of kind of looking inward with somebody's guidance to help you to go deeper, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I will say everyone will benefit. But of course, there are folks who have difficulty, say, regulating emotions or have symptoms that are debilitating, like they can't sleep well or they're overwhelmed by stress and they find themselves reacting uh, mm -hmm. and not liking the way that they are reacting, right? Those are the folks who I would say, yeah, you know, go and explore what's happening. Be curious. People are, um, people are really hurting. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to be with a person very long at all, and you don't have to scratch very deep at all um, mm -hmm. for the pain to come out, for the confusion to emerge. People are struggling um, with all kinds of wounds. They may yes. or may not be struggling with sin because they may or not even recognize that that is at, at issue. Right. They're definitely struggling with identity. So part mm -hmm. one, um, part one of the book is really where all of that is explored. Mm -hmm. Introduce us to this conversation um, about like what is wrong with us. Yeah, yeah. Well, the topic of identity has been a recurring theme as long as humans existed, right? But I do think that it has reached a new level of complexity as our culture continues to evolve and becomes more and more individualistic. And the cultural message is, don't let anyone tell you who you are. You should really have full autonomy and authority to determine who you are and to assert that identity. And the message is find yourself within yourself. But the problem is we were not made to find ourselves within ourselves. Um, the Bible says that we're made in the image of God. We're relational beings. We're affected by things happening outside of us. So we were created to derive our identity from outside of ourselves, ultimately in relationship with God. So the issue of or the question of identity is a spiritual issue in which we really can't know ourselves fully unless we actually can believe what God says about us. Um, so that's sort of the premise of why uh, I started out with the topic of identity. And uh, in my 30 years of counseling and developing this um, approach called the Gospel-Centered Integrative Framework for Therapy, the premise of that model is that at the core, at the very core of every presenting issue is a um, problem of identity. Mm. And uh, th that's why we say, yeah, we can reduce symptoms and we can help you identify the wounds and grieve them. And then uh, the sin that entangles you, we can help you repent of that and be more free to internalize this identity that God has for you. Um, yeah. And so ultimately, that is the goal. Like we can remove all the barriers and get you to see who God is 
and how he feels about you. And when you internalize that, you will not only know who you are, uh, but it will make a, a lot of difference, a whole difference in uh, how you make sense of your life. I think I want to ask a direct question um, to those listening right now. Are you, are you in pain? Mm-hmm. Are you tired of operating out of that pain? Are you tired of responding to other people in ways that you know are not consistent with who God created and designed you and redeemed you to be? Um, and you want to be free. Like, do you, you actually want to be free? So that's the offer. The gospel-centered integrative framework for therapy that Judy has developed and that she shares is the big idea of this book, Who You Are, um, that, that's the big idea, that you can be set free. Um, and, and Judy, that is, um, that's an incredible offer. That, that really, that's an incredible offer. Maybe you could, um, maybe you could describe to us um, a little more about the process. Hmm. You know, it's it's a wonderful signal when you feel the distress mm. that God is wanting you. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. We don't think that. That's super counterintuitive. Like, right? Yeah. Get, getting to the place where I like I'm in so much pain, I cannot live like this any longer. And you're telling me that that is really good news because you've now arrived at the place. Like, right? Yes, that yes. you you can't do life on your own. Uh, that there is something wrong and it's something that you may not be able to fix. You've tried and you can't, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it you arrive at a point where you sort of surrender, like, okay, I don't know what to do. And that opens the door for the Holy Spirit. Um, part of the research that I was part of um, identified that one of the key elements that needs to happen is in bringing us to restoration is being able to tap into what that pain is Mm. and putting words to that pain. It's an emotion, right? And putting Mm. words to those emotions and grieving it, not only with a counselor, but being able to bring it to God and to grieve with him your pain. Sort of like what Job did, you know, when he was complaining, he was not just complaining to other people he was complaining to god and god mattered he he, god was relevant in his pain and then he received comfort from god directly right similarly we have to do that and um it's interesting how people will uh tell me it's much easier to tell another person here's what i'm going through but sometimes it doesn't occur to them that they need to talk to God directly about it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. that's really good. I um, And again, let me just remind everybody, I'm talking with Judy Cha. The book is Who You Are, Internalizing the Gospel to Find Your True Identity. I also want to recommend to you the resources that are available um, at Redeemer Counseling, and that is RedeemerCounseling.com. Um, the the deep idols, the four deep idols that you talk about, um, mm-hmm. power, control, approval, and comfort. Um, wow. Let me, <laughs> let me just say, this was a little bit of a wow. Can you, um, can you briefly describe those deep idols? Because once I figure out my deep idol or the, yeah. or the one primary one that I'm operating out of, that's mm-hmm. a pretty significant stride forward. Yes. 
Yes. I think often uh, most Christians are familiar with the term idols, and uh, they also understand that some things, uh, persons, pursuits can become too important uh, that surpasses uh, the importance of God in our lives, and they become idols, right? But often people do not look at what's the thing that's motivating you to make these uh, created things into idols. And that is our heart that is now affected by sin. And it's motivated uh, by these over desires that become inordinate or ruling desires. Uh, I say that there's, well, actually, I, I get all this from uh, Tim Keller's book, uh, Counterfeit God. He talks about the distinction between deep idols and surface idols. And I just elaborated on that. Uh, but the deep idols refer to these motivating emotions, desires in our heart for power, control, approval, and comfort. And we all have those four desires, and they're not bad because they reflect uh, our image-bearing qualities. We need to have power, control, and uh, approval, and comfort. However, it becomes disordered in our hearts, it becomes over desires and it becomes demands. And so we must have ha power. And uh, then we start, unfortunately, sometimes abusing people to experience, fulfill or satisfy that desire for power or control. And you become someone who's enslaved to doing because you are so uh, desiring security that you seek to do that. Um, by pursuing accomplishment or pursuing perfection. And uh, when a uh, desire for approval becomes inordinate, you, uh, you use relationships to, from you run from relationship to relationship, trying to find uh, acceptance that tells you that you are okay. You know, you cannot engage in true intimacy because you're too worried about how they're going to judge you. And then there's comfort, this desire, over-desire for comfort that drives you to sort of hiding because you don't want to face your responsibilities. You don't want to see reality. So you will consume yourself in addictive behavior sometimes, uh, to avoid that and not see reality and seek comfort, but it, it doesn't work. And uh, these inordinate desires actually turn whatever is on your in your path into idols. We're going to continue our conversation. Oh, no, absolutely. 100%. We're going to continue our conversation with Judy Cha in just a moment. The book is Who You Are. Have you ever just, you've just wondered, like, not only who am I, but why am I? What in the world am I in the world to do? We have this deep desire to understand who we are, um, but shame and hurt and disappointment and all any manner of other griefs actually shapes the way we think. We have tried self-redemption. We have uh, tried all kinds of things. We know those don't work. The gospel is God's rescue plan not only for a lost humanity, but for each and every one of us. So that is um, that is the good news of this process 
called Gospel-Centered Integrative um, Framework for Therapy. And that's the big idea of the book, Who You Are. More with Judy Chaw in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Judy Chaw. She is uh, the author of Who You Are. She's also the person who developed the Gospel-Centered Integrative Framework for Therapy, which they use at Redeemer Counseling Services. And I want to um, remind you that that is a great place to visit if you want a toolkit related to these things. If you are a pastor who wants to develop a counseling ministry, RedeemerCounseling.com. Judy, uh, my listeners know this, but I'm kind of an appendices junkie. I love I love the things at the end of a book. I love um, that that's normally where the exercises are are included and sort of the things that the author wants to make sure that we get that maybe didn't fit into the framework of the book itself. So um, so the first appendix is this personal exercise about exploring what my feelings are trying to tell me that that is a gift in and of itself. Um, But I want to spend a minute allowing you to talk to pastors and other caregivers um, how, how do I know if someone needs counseling and then how do I help them get the counseling they need? Mm. Yes. Um, you know, when, when you think about how to, when to refer people to counseling, it's not just what the person needing counseling is going through, but it's also the capacity of the caregiver. So you have to look mm. at both, Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. because the caregiver may be going through seasons in life where they're overwhelmed themselves. And so just knowing that, that it's not always your call to be there for people who need care. Um, Yeah. So start with that. Uh, What do people, when do you refer people? Well, first of all, we look at what they're bringing to the counseling uh, what they're identifying as a counseling need. If the symptoms are too intense, their functioning is uh, is uh, affected. Um, the duration of the symptoms have been long, uh, beyond three months. Um, those are the signs that they may need professional care. It's not going to be... Uh, three or four sessions, it's going to be maybe months, right? Mm. Uh, So look at those areas, like the symptoms, the intensity of it, the level of debilitating functioning of the person and the duration of um, that state that they're in. And also maybe what they've also tried. If they have been in therapy before, it's most likely that they may need to go back and then you can play more of a supplementary role in supporting them through that process rather than taking on the care yourself. Yeah. 
pastoral care and professional counseling are different. Um, I think that's just important for everybody to know and absolutely to recognize. And so encourage you to um, to consider those those differences. Some of that is outlined in the book as well. Um, I, I really appreciated um, this conversation about how you find a, counsel, a counselor who is a good match. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll just ask it the way that it's framed. How do I find a counselor who's a good match for me? <laughs> you know, I say that counseling is a relationship, okay? And so you don't always know uh, whether this relationship is going to be a good fit or not until you actually engage, right? Uh, But there are things that you can look for. Uh, These days, uh, a lot of people are familiar with what uh, the counseling modalities. And uh, so you can look at, you know, what modalities that you feel more inclined to try out. There's websites that give you a lot of information about the therapist that you can look through. Um, Particular issues that you are wanting to address in counseling is also uh, listed in their website. If they don't have a website, you can also ask for sort of a consultation. A lot of people in private practice give you 10 to 15 minutes to just connect. And so you can ask the questions that you need to ask. And also you get a sense whether it's easy to talk to this person or get a feel of that counselor. Um, But really, until you engage and start to work through uh, your concerns, it's hard to know if this is a good fit. And sometimes you engage and they take you to a point uh, and then you realize, okay, I need something else to uh, take me deeper. A lot of people who seek counseling at RCS had seen therapists who are not Christians, but uh, Mm -hmm. eventually they come around to seeking counseling with us because they want the faith portion to be more relevant in the process. So Um, good. So, Yeah, and so people can uh, engage. Just know that you're not bound to this relationship. It's not right. Like a marriage, right? You're not so getting you, married. That's right. No. Yeah. You engage yeah. in the relationship. You see how far they can take. And then you also can take a break or transfer to or try someone else to take you deeper. Yeah. yeah. So good. Um, we're going to encourage you to check out the resources available um, at RedeemerCounseling.com. The book is who you are, internalizing the gospel to find your true identity. Judy, what a what a great blessing to to meet you today. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, conversion is turning back to God, but at the same time, a coming to oneself. That's Herman Babnick. Um, I'm wondering where you where you arrive when you think about who you are. Is God the the first thought when you think about your identity? Um, are you integrated not only in your faith, but in terms of how the gospel has been internalized within you and is actually the identity out of which you're operating in the world? Um, maybe this conversation has led you to ask some new questions. I'd encourage you to spend some time with the Lord today. Get personal. Go get with Him in that um, quiet place where he has already promised he's waiting for you. And if you ever think like, I'm waiting on God, I'm waiting on God, 
just consider for a moment, God, God's actually waiting on you. So go to that, um, go to that secret place today and get with the Lord. Find some intimate time with him. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him um, what you're feeling, the things you're confused about. Um, be confident in him and then let the Lord speak to you through that which he has already spoken. Don't forget to get into the word of God today and let the word of God get into you before you get out there into the world that God so loves. Let his grace flow into and through you today as his agent of grace in the world that he so loves. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.